day 40. I had a dialogue with Elsa a couple of nights ago. I want to go to Baskin Robbins on Wednesday. Why, she asked, do you have a sudden craving for ice cream? No, it's our anniversary. We don't usually go to Baskin Robbins on our anniversary. I know, it's just for this anniversary. Is it something to do with the number? It could be. We've had our silver wedding anniversary, which is 25. Our parents are both in their diamond anniversary year, which is 60. Last year was pearl for us, which is 30. This one is ice cream. Or more particularly, Baskin Robbins ice cream. Because they have 31 flavours. Today I'm thankful for Elsa and being able to go out for lunch to celebrate our anniversary. I'm grateful for all who have stood with us through changing seasons and three continents. We appreciate our friends and our family and various communities we've been able to serve in Scotland, New Zealand and Canada. The first verse of the final hymn from our wedding has deepened in meaning since that day at Davidson's Mains in 1990. Lord, for the years, your love has kept and guided, urged and inspired us, cheered us on our way, sought us and saved us, pardoned and provided. Lord of the years, we bring our thanks today. At the moment, I'm counting the days, but today I give thanks for the years. I'm thankful for 40 days and for 31 years. How do confidence and vulnerability relate to each other? If we acknowledge failure and weakness, does that indicate that we lack confidence or that others should lose confidence in us? If we are self-assured and capable, does that mean we should not show any frailty or deficiency? I'm slowly coming to the conclusion that if my confidence is in the Lord and what he has done, I am more aware of my own inadequacy and more willing to face it. But if my confidence is in my own strengths and abilities, I will rather tend to become more focused on other people's shortcomings and be less able to live with them. Vulnerability grounded in grace will be resilient. Confidence based on performance will be brittle. That is why the base of how we operate, feel and think is so important. If the foundation is wrong, it leads to a crooked building. A lot of what has been around us has an enduring impact within us. We need rescued from our past and from ourselves. Only the Lord can do this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. 
These first few verses talk of being lifted out of slime, where it's hard to get a foothold and we slip down. We are elevated and placed on a rock where we have stability. This new security gives voice to a new song in our mouths and a new articulation of trust in God. Because we have been rescued, we can stand and we can sing. If we try to get out of the slime ourselves, we will keep slipping back down. As a student, I did not really understand leadership. My role models were strong characters of confidence and strength. I believed that I had to measure up to something. I've seen other people in similar situations where looking to the proud has led to the wrong kind of mentor. Such influence invariably pushes performance at the expense of character and ultimately undermine trust in the Lord. I was fortunate that there were some in leadership in the CU at Aberdeen and in SU Scotland who showed me a different way. I do not consistently live up to their example and frequently get it wrong, but I am always grateful for their input at a critical point in my life. David recognises that the Lord has done great things and that these were not random but planned. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. He then speaks of what the Lord desires and requires. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Perhaps this references the turning point in Saul's reign as king. After defeating the Amalekites, Saul does not follow through on God's instruction and bows to the pressure of his men who want to keep some of the best plunder for themselves. Samuel rebukes Saul, saying, once he was small in his own eyes, but has now become proud. Saul defends his disobedience by saying that he has offered sacrifice to God. Samuel replies that to obey is better than sacrifice. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? It is interesting that David uses similar language here. He remembers his predecessors fall from grace, but does not want to go down that same road. It is in the immediate aftermath of this incident, where God rejects Saul and regrets making him king, that Samuel is sent to the sons of Jesse and anoints the young David as the future king. We need to learn lessons from those who have gone before so that we do not repeat their mistakes. It is easy for ideas to perpetuate in a family, church, community or organisation that form patterns of behaviour that harden us to God's call and keep us from his purposes. God's word is the antidote to this. David speaks truth to himself 
and asks that he would do God's will and have God's word in his heart. Only God's word can overwrite our internal programming and heal the scars of our hearts. God is incomparable and beyond David's capacity to exclaim or explain, but he keeps trying. God is righteous, faithful and loving. David is surrounded by numerous enemies and feels his heart is failing. At the end of the psalm, we once more see David's confidence in God and his own vulnerability being expressed. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, writes about how this rescue happens and that it is enough. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's strength comes into its own in our weakness. Confidence and vulnerability are not opposites. In God's grace and mercy, they fit together. In the economy of God, the weaker we get, the stronger we become. The last verse of that hymn from our wedding I mentioned earlier goes, Lord, for ourselves, in living power remake us. Self on the cross and Christ upon the throne. Past put behind us, for the future take us. Lord of our lives, to live for Christ alone.